And now, may we welcome our listening audience on radio station KKVV to this portion of our morning service here at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We know that many of you are listening because you've written for the sermons and you've expressed yourself by telephone and otherwise of your appreciation for the messages and for the music. And we thank you for being online again today. Our sermon today is going to be preached by our youth pastor, Pastor Donovan Washington. You have heard him before. He has been at this pulpit on a number of occasions. And our church members, as well as our listening audience, has expressed appreciation for the way the Lord has used him. And today, the Lord will use him again. In fact, for those of you who may not know, today is the conclusion of a two-week evangelistic revival. And Pastor Washington has been reminding us of a lot of practical issues of life. And his last several sermons have been about special doctrines of the Word of God. One thing I enjoy about this young man's preaching is that he focuses in the Word. And we don't hear a lot of his thoughts, really, but it's the word that he opens up to us. And we look forward to that blessing again on today. But before he gives us his conclusion for this evangelistic revival, our scripture will be read by Brother Eric Morris. And then we shall hear a message in music from the Mass Choir. I ask for Brother Morris for the choir, and especially our preacher for today, Pastor Donovan Washington, our earnest prayers as God attends to our spiritual needs through these his servants. Brother Morris. Good morning. Happy Sabbath to all. Our scripture comes to us this morning from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. It's a short but powerful scripture. Again, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay, and thou our potter. We are the work thy hand. May the Lord bless the reading of this word. you have fallen by the wayside of life dreams and visions shattered you are broken inside you don't have to stay in the 
And then 
There's healing for your body. Oh, if you're hurting, there's healing. the potter wants to put you back together again. All the potter wants to put you back together again. Come on, you can say amen again. Oh, you can say amen again. Listen, I know there's more than one person in here today who has visited the potter's house. I know I've visited the potter's house several times. I've given him the fragments of my broken life. And God has indeed blessed us every time we visit him in the potter's house. Is that all right this morning? Hey, listen, don't be shy with me this morning. Please feel free to talk to me this morning because it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It is good to worship the Lord and be here on his holy, holy Sabbath day. It's been my privilege for the past couple of weeks to serve this church during our Lord Make Me Over revival. I don't know about you, but I was personally blessed throughout this time. And I want to let you all know that it wasn't just me, but it was a team effort. There were a lot of people who worked very hard to make this revival a success. First of all, I want to thank our senior pastor, Dr. Calvin Rock. Now, he doesn't know this, but, you know, working with him is like working with Batman. You know, I just, sometimes I'm in awe at some of the things he can do. And it's a privilege to be able to walk in his footsteps and serve with him. And to get this privilege to do this, is a, it's an honor. There are a lot of youth pastors around the country who don't get a lot of opportunities because their pastors kind of hold them down. But uh, Pastor Rock is not that kind of man. And he has been very generous with me. He's taught me so much. And I really appreciate him giving me this opportunity. I want to thank Pastor Haynes as well. Pastor Haynes is a rock. And we really appreciate his ministry throughout the time. Can we say a man for evangelist Tony Stahl? Amen? Hey, throughout the time, evangelist Tony... He worked really hard with us. He gave out so many gifts. He got us started on a nightly basis. We really appreciate that. Appreciate the Powell's family, Sister Brown, Brother Ellis. Um, I want to thank Kathy and Winter and Sister Walina, Brother Forbes. I want to thank the choir. Every night, Brother Gordon was the man responsible for all the technology. And there were some nights we were sweating bullets. We didn't know if it would work, but he pulled it out for us, and we really we have some good workers at this church. And last but not least, I want to uh, say a special thanks to my wife. 
Listen, we've been married for two years, and uh, the past couple of weeks, she's been such a sweetheart. There have been there's some things I do to get on her nerves, and she would overlook it just because we were in the middle of the revival. She's <laughs> she's like, you know what? I'm gonna give you a pass. You're doing the Lord's work, and so I guess tonight I may catch it. <laughs> But um, I love her so much, and uh, she's such a beautiful lady. If you don't know her, get to know her. Uh, she's been cooking for me, and I mean, I'll, I'll come home, and all my shirts are laid out for me. And I mean, and this is a professional. She is an engineer. For years, she has made almost double the money I've made. But she's been a wonderful help me, and I just want to tell her thank you. And I really appreciate everything that's taking place. And I want to thank you for all of you coming out, inviting your family and friends. I hope that you've been blessed in the Lord, because I know that I have. Could you stand with me as we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, once again, we come to the potter's house. Lord, for some, this may have been a very long week. And for some, there may have been some blessings in this week. We heard earlier that there may be some in our midst who have a grieving heart. And there may be someone in our midst today who is struggling with something and no one knows anything about it. But Lord, I am so glad that you love us. I am so glad that you've given us the Sabbath day. I'm so glad that you give us your presence, that we can come and be refreshed in the Lord. Lord, please don't disappoint today. I ask that your Holy Spirit run through this place. Answer every need. Touch every heart. And Lord, when it's all said and done, may we all be able to say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, amen. Amen. Before I begin, I just want to remind our young people again, today at five o'clock. We're doing outreach. We're going to go feed the homeless at Catholic Charities. If you need directions, it's on the youth board and all of the pertinent announcements. Please make sure you pay attention to the youth board. Name of this morning's sermon is The Potter's House. The Potter's House. I want to begin this way. Gethsemane was not far away. Soon Jesus would find himself in a garden praying like he never prayed before. Soon he would pray for strength to complete his task, the strength to carry on, the strength to save the world. Soon, my Lord, great drops of blood and sweat would pour from the master's forehead. Soon he would say those wonderful words, not my will, but thy will be done. Gethsemane will be the scene where Jesus seals in stone that nothing 
will be able to separate us from the love of God. But for now, he is giving final instructions to his closest comrades. He would no longer be with them, so there were a few important things that they needed to know. John chapter 16, the book of John chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. I'll be reading to you from the New International Version of the Bible. John chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Jesus is giving some final instructions to his disciples. And there's a few things that they needed to know. First of all, he says this, All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Jesus first wanted to let them know that people were going to hate them because of him. People were going to try to kill them because they were affiliated with Jesus. Listen, disciples, I want to make it perfectly clear to you. When I leave here, people aren't going to celebrate the fact that you were my disciples. People aren't going to be happy about the fact that you walked with me and talked with me. As a matter of fact, you may lose your life because you walked with me. And even today, don't think everyone is going to stand up and applaud when you decide to become a Christian. Don't think your boss is automatically going to want to give you the Sabbath off because you've chosen to follow Christ. People will hate you because you follow Jesus. And there's coming a time in earth's history, saints of God, that if you are a commandment keeper, if you follow the name of Jesus, you could find yourself getting in trouble. So if you can't follow the word while we have peace, what are you going to do when the pressure comes? People will hate you because of me. But then he gives them a little bit of good news. Verse 5, now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not go to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Not only does Jesus let people know that they will be hated because of him, but he comforts them by letting them know no matter what you go through, you'll never be alone. The Holy Spirit is going to come. And if I go away, he is going to be greater because he can be everywhere at the same time. And saints of God, I want to let you know this morning that no matter what you're going through, the Holy Spirit is there. He's there on your job. He's there with you at school. He's there with you in the car. Oh, I'm so glad he's there with us in airplanes. Amen. But the Holy Spirit is there. Jesus promised it, and he delivered, and his disciples were comforted by the fact they would not be alone. Who says amen to the word of God? 
But then he gives him a solemn message. After he lets him know that the Holy Spirit was there, he tells them something very, very important. And it says it in 1633, John chapter 16 and verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, listen to this, saints. I want you to, don't miss this. In this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. This version says, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus did not want to soften the blow to his disciples so they would think that by following him, life would be a crystal stair. They didn't want, he didn't want them to believe that. There are so many people teaching today that Christianity equals success, that when a little trouble hits you, you give up on Jesus. But Jesus never promised it would be easy. Jesus never promised things would go smooth for you. Jesus never promised that every time you walked into the mortgage office, they said approved for a $400,000 loan. It will not go that way. There's going to be some times you're going to walk in the car dealership and they're going to look at you and laugh. Huh? There are going to be some times where the bills won't get paid. There are going to be some times where your children do disappoint you. There's going to be some times where your husband or your wife is not all that they're supposed to be. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But he goes on to say, be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. So no matter what trouble you face in this world, if you're willing to accept it, I'll be right there by your side. I'll guide you through every storm. When the winds and the waves and the fire come, I'll be right there taking it with you. You just have to trust in me and believe it. And the disciples understood that. Now, in this world, trouble comes in three different ways. How many ways did I say? Trouble comes in three different ways. Let's say this hammer represents trouble, amen? Does it represent trouble? Are you in trouble if this big old black man has his hammer in his hand? You're in some trouble. All right. <laughs> trouble comes in three different ways. The first way that trouble comes, trouble comes through trials. Amen? Now, what a trial is, a trial is when God allows bad things to happen to test you. Anybody ever been through a trial? All right. That's what a trial is. A trial is when God allows something bad to happen to you to test you, okay? This happened to Job. Y'all remember Job? The devil went to God and said, listen, Job doesn't serve you for nothing, okay? You give him everything he wants. I can't touch him. Your angels punch me in the mouth every time I come close to him. Of course he serves you, all right? Of course he does the right thing. Everything is going this way. So God said, all right, take some of his stuff away, devil. Can't take his life, but take some of his stuff away. That's called a trial. And if you have not had a trial in your life, get ready. God wants to know why you believe in him, all right? We don't have a, a cupcake type of religion where we get a bunch of good things and that's why we believe in God. 
You better believe in God whether you have good times or whether you have bad times. Because the fact of the matter is, if you never receive anything good in your life, he still died for you, and that's enough. So trials come. You will be tested by a trial. But unfortunately for many of us, when the trials come, we fall apart. And we're broken. When that trial comes, it's too much. And we find ourselves broken in pieces. Amen? Hey, thank you, deacons. Appreciate that. Y'all watch out now. All right? <laughs> now, the second type of trouble that comes, that's the first type of trouble, trials. What's the first type? The second type of trouble is evil people. Woo. <laughs> Look, look, um, there are some people in this life who are bent on hurting you, all right? They can't sleep at night until they're messing with somebody, huh? They can't go throughout their day unless they're messing with you, all right? You go on your job, that same person every day got something smart to say, huh? Huh? What happened at the MGM Grand a few days ago? Man was just doing his job, security job, security officer. All of a sudden, a bunch of young black youth jump out and beat him up for no reason. No reason. They beat him up. They didn't even know they were being filmed. Most of them are in jail right now. But there are some people who are bent on hurting you. You get on the highway and the way some of these people drive, you ask yourself, are they trying to kill me? You know, I put on my blinker one day and got in front of somebody, and this man called me everything but Donovan Washington. <laughs> he called me everything. All right? Now, my wife donated these pots. Baby, this is going to hurt you more than it hurts me, okay? But you have some evil people in your life, and some of those evil people mess you up and they hurt you. And instead of saying, bless the Lord, you bless them back, don't you? and you find your life in a mess. And you're broken. You're broken. You're broken. So trials break our people. Evil people break us down. But there's one last type of trouble, and most of us fall in this category. This is self-inflicted trouble. Are you listening to me today? This is self-inflicted trouble. You know, most of us, and you know what, can I, can I be honest with you? 90% of our trouble is this type of trouble. We come, oh, I got so many trials and tribulations. No, you brought it upon yourself. You made a right choice, it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. I had a friend of mine who was trying to keep up with the Joneses. Anybody knows what that means? All right. He didn't have a lot of money, fresh out of school, Fresh out of seminary, that's all I'm telling you, all right? He's a pastor. <laughs> Fresh out of seminary, but he wanted to be a big shot, okay? He called me up, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm tired of driving this Honda. I'm, I think I'm going to get me a Lexus. I said, look, brother, I know how much I make. <laughs> I know how much my wife makes, and I know how much you make. You can't afford a Lexus. Man, I got to have one. I got to have one. I'm going to do it, man. Everybody was telling him don't do it. Not only did he get a Lexus, 
He got a Lexus with 17% interest rate. What do you think happened six months later? Huh? <laughs> what do you think happened six months later? Huh? He in the middle of the night, why are you taking my car? Why are you taking my car? Calling me, hey man, can you loan me something this month so I can... Trouble came and it was self-inflicted. Listen, I feel really sorry that the crocodile hunter died recently. That broke my heart to see that because I like watching him on Animal Planet. For those who don't know, Steve Irwin was stung by a stingray in the heart and lost his life. Condolences to his family. I hope everything goes well. But you know what? How many of you watched that show and said to yourself, you know, one day these, one of these animals are going to get him? Huh? I mean, you know, you want to feel sorry, but at the same time, he kind of brought it on himself. It was sad to see. But when you're dancing around animals and, and playing with snakes and wrestling crocodiles, eventually trouble is going to catch you. And it's the same way with sin in our lives. We dance around sin. We play with sin. We caress sin. And then we act surprised when sin back, bites back. Don't act surprised. Sin is going to eventually bite you. It's just a matter of time. But when that type of self-inflicted trouble comes in your life, you find yourself broken. You find yourself beat down. But this morning, I have good news for you. We have a God that sits high but looks low. We have a God that says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. And we have a God that says, in case you have fallen by the wayside of life, your dreams and visions shattered, you are broken inside. You don't have to stay in the shape that you're in. Hallelujah. The potter wants to put you back together again. He wants you to be whole again. He wants you to be full again. He wants you to be shiny and useful again. And you have to do that by visiting the potter's house. This pottery can't fix itself. There's nothing this pottery can do. The only thing that can fix this pottery is the potter. We read our text this morning in Isaiah 64, 8. And as you read Isaiah 64, 8, it says that he is the father. We are the clay. And he is the potter. Clay is not arrogant. Are you listening to me? You can bend clay. You can shape clay. You can make clay however you want it. Many of us stay in our mess because we're too proud to ask for help. We're comfortable in our broken lives. And we're too proud to go to God and say, you know what? I need help. But clay is not arrogant. Clay says, mold me, shape me, bend me, turn me, do whatever you want. Just make me over again. Make me over again. So, 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 let's go to Isaiah, I mean Jeremiah chapter 18. Last text for the day. Jeremiah chapter 18. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. 
there are a few things that I want you to see about the nature of the potter to the clay. Jeremiah chapter 18. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jeremiah 18, beginning at verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down where, everyone? To the potter's house. And there I will give you my message. So Jeremiah, like a good prophet, goes down to the potter's house. And he observes what's going on. Look at this, verse 3. So I went down to the potter's house. Hallelujah. Oh, man. And I saw him working at the wheel. Do you see that? I saw him working at the wheel. What I take from that, hallelujah, is that Jesus is always working for his people. Amen. Do you know day and night, Jesus is in heaven interceding on your behalf tirelessly. When you mess up time and time again, when you make mistakes over and over, Jesus is before the Father saying, Father, I know you love them. Give them one more chance. I know they're hard-headed, but give them one more chance. Lord, I died for them. My blood covers them. Give them another opportunity to get it right. And he's doing this day in, day out. He's always at the wheel working on your life. Amen? He's always at the wheel working on your life. That's why Romans 8.28 says, For we know that all things work together for good to them who love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. God is changing and rearranging circumstances on your behalf so you will have the optimum opportunity to get it right, come to your senses, and come back to him. Who says amen to the word of God? So, Jesus is always working for his people, and he's always on time. Now, when I was a sophomore, I believe, in high school, I got jumped by a bunch of guys. Now, it had to be a lot of guys, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I got a good one, man. I just, <laughs> one one dude. One one dude. I tell you that much. I can go. But <laughs> I got jumped by a bunch of guys beat the living daylights out of me, threw me down the snaps, cracked my skull, broke my nose. I have a fake nose, for those who don't know. This is plastic surgery. They had to reconstruct my nose from this accident. Beat me up bad. So I'm in the ambulance. This was between classes. I'm on my way to the ambulance. And I would have you know <laughs> that on my way to the ambulance, one of my friends ran to me and I heard another ambulance coming in the distance, all right? Follow this. I heard another ambulance coming in the distance. One of my friends came to me and said, Donovan, hey, man, don't worry about it. We already beat the guys up. We already beat them up. We worked them over good, man. Dapping me up. Everything's going to be all right. And it turned out that other ambulance was for the guys who beat me up. <laughs> my revenge had already been worked out. Now, I don't advocate you exacting revenge on people, but I tell that story to say that no matter what type of trouble you're in, God is already working out your situation. He's doing it swiftly, and he's doing it quickly, and he's doing it whether you see results or not. Some of us, God is working us out by leaving us in the fire. 
Huh? We're praying for deliverance, and God is saying, no, 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 pot. You need to stay in the kiln a little bit longer. You're not ready to come out yet. You need to stay in there a little bit longer. So while you're praying for deliverance, why don't you thank God for the trial as well? So Jeremiah saw the potter working at the wheel. And that lets me know that God is always, even if you can't see it, working on our behalf. Amen? Amen. But there's one last thing I want you to see. Verse 4. There's one last thing I want you to see. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot. Hallelujah. <laughs> Shaping it as it seemed best to him. Jeremiah witnessed this pot, and this pot was broken and messed up in the hand of the potter. And instead of putting the raggedy pieces back together, the potter said, you know what? I'm going to make a brand new pot. I'm going to make a brand new pot all again. And I'm going to do it in the way that only a master potter can. And I'm here to tell you, not only is God always working on your behalf, but God is in the business of rebuilding lives. Who says amen? He can rebuild your life. He can take the fragments of your broken life and put you back together again. It's just that simple because that's what the potter wants to do. He loves you even though your life may be in shambles, even though you've made a mess of everything, even though trouble has been running upside your head, God is in the business of intervening in that trouble and putting you back together again. Let me close with this story. Let me close with this story. In the deep south, in the deep south, there was a man named Wilson Wimbley. This is a true story, by the way. There was a man named Wilson Wimbley. In the 1900s, he was one of the first black people to own a home in a particular southern city. Well, as you know, that was a pretty tough situation. As he moved into the city daily, people threw things at his home. People messed up his lawn. People called him all types of animals and racial slurs. I mean, he had a very, very tough time in that city. But he tried to handle all this trouble with class and dignity. Whenever he saw someone in the street, he would say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. He would willingly move off the sidewalk if other people walked by. And he took all of this humiliation with class and with dignity. Well, one day, it came to a breaking point. And as it came to a breaking point, thank you so much, Brother Kyle. Just sit on the floor for now. Yeah. As it came to a breaking point, he came home one day, and I would have you know, church family, his home was burned down to the ground. The saddest part of it all is that because of the colors of his skin, no one would give him insurance. So he had no insurance for his home. So there he was, going through the ashes of his burned-down home, taking the cross down that was in his yard that was burning, putting that fire out, and trying to retrieve something from his yard. Well, as he was digging through the ashes and digging through the charred earth, he looked in the ashes and he saw something shiny coming from the ground. 
he dug and dug, and he pulls out a big chest from under the ground. As he opens the chest, the chest is filled with 100% gold bars. He looks at it, and he's shocked. And in it, he finds some records, and it turns out the gold bars belong to a plantation owner who owned the land years ago. Now, he was so honorable. Me and you would have said, well, praise the Lord. You know, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we would put it in our pocket, right? He was so honorable, he left the South. He went to D.C. and actually took it to the Treasury. When he took it to the Treasury, they asked him, did you own that land? They said, yes. He said, yes. Well, this gold is yours. <laughs> He was so rich that eventually he bought the entire town that he used to live in. And to this day, there is a town named Wembley that was named after this man. Hallelujah. Listen, if your whole life has fell to the ground, I'm here to let you know that God has something special for you. He can give you beauty for ashes. He can give you strength for fear. He can give you gladness for mourning, and he can give you peace for despair. Make no mistake about it. In the name of Jesus today, the potter wants to put you back together again. Saints of God, you don't have to stay broken. You don't have to stay downtrodden. You don't have to live in a life of sin, and you don't have to be a servant of trouble. You can go to the potter's house, and he can mend your broken life all over again. Again, who says amen to the word of God? So, with every head bowed and every eye closed, the appeal is simple today. Listen, there's some people in this room who face some trouble. Huh? You faced a little trouble in your life. You faced a trial from God, and you want God to make it a little bit more clear. There may be some people who are putting trouble in your life, who are bringing tears to your eyes, and you don't know why they're doing what they're doing. But there also may be someone where you brought it upon yourself. Every, every mistake you've made is caught up to you now, and now you're living a life of trouble. Well, by the authority of Jesus, I'm here to let you know the potter wants to put you back together again. He wants to take the fragments of your broken life and make you all over again. Oh, he hasn't given up on you. Don't listen to what the devil says. You've gone too far or you need to get your life together. You can't get your life together. You're nothing but broken clay. But there's a master potter who wants to touch you, who wants to rub his hands over you, who wants to embrace you and to make you into a valuable vessel for his service. No matter what you've done, no matter how much trouble you're going through, God is calling you now, and he's calling you to accept the grace that he has provided for when he died on that cross. As Jesus hung on that cross, as Jesus' flesh was ripped apart, as Jesus' feet and hands were pierced, he made it possible that if anyone is going through trouble, the Savior would be there. And he's there for you today because he loves you.
If you need to feel the touch of God, if you need to recommit your life to him, if you need special prayer about the trouble in your life, or if you need baptism, if you want to give it all to him, I want you to come to the front now. I want to pray for you. Bring him your fragments, and I want to pray for you. No matter who you are, if you would like prayer for the trouble in your life, no matter who you are, just come to the front. God bless. People are coming. People are coming. People are saying, I'm giving my fragments to God. I'm giving my broken life to God. I'm giving it all to him, and I know God can do something about it. Lord, I'm experiencing trouble in my life. Lord, you're putting me through a trial, and I really don't understand it. Make it clear, Lord. Lord, there are evil people who are hurting me. Give me protection, Lord. But, Lord, I've made a mess of my life. I've been in trouble. And, Lord, I want to admit to you today I want to get it right with you. I want to get it right. Lord, I'm calling on you now. Please make me over again. Please Please make me over again. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Now, for those of you who've come down for special prayer, God bless you. But for those of you who've come down and you said, you know what? I'm in so much trouble. I need to start all over again. I need baptism. The ushers have cards for you. Make sure you fill one out. Make sure you get that in our hands. Come study with us at the church so we can prepare you for baptism and to become a full member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love. And Lord, we thank you so much that you're the potter and the devil's not the potter. Lord, if the devil was the potter, he would leave us broken and bruised. But because you are the potter, you love us enough to make us over again. So Lord, for everyone under the sound of my voice, and particularly for these dear ones who were at the front, I pray that you intervene in their lives concerning the trouble that befalls them. Lord, if you're testing somebody, give them patience. If there's evil people in their lives, help them to even love their enemies and know that vengeance is yours. You will repay. But Lord, if there is someone here today who says, Lord, it is me. I've brought this trouble on myself. I pray that you give them a new start. I pray that you build them over again. I pray, I pray that you give them the courage to say, Lord, I want to be baptized. I want to take my stand. Lord, please bless them in a special way. We thank you and we love you. And we know that you'll come through. In the name of Jesus, let everyone who believes say, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you are seeking baptism, Please get one of the cards from our ushers, fill them out, and please put them in our hand. We want to know who you are. Ushers, make sure you are aware of that. Please put it in their hand if they're seeking baptism. God bless you, and have a happy Sabbath.
testing one. Thank you. And, and as I was sitting there, as I came down, it's always room for improvement in our lives. One thing I like about the children's stories that I always use this illustration here, that when it's time for the children's story, every child's come up here for the story. When it's time to bring the sins to the throne of grace, it seemed like we stayed in our seats. And I always wonder about that. Because we are not yet 100%. If you're 100%, there's more, no more room for improvement. So we all need Im improvement. When I hear altar calls like these here, regardless of where I am in life, there's still room for improvement. Amen. I just want to close with, with a prayer. I want to say outreach is at 5 o'clock. Yeah, outreach is going to be at 5 o'clock today. And, and the light bearers at 6. Yes, is there a meal prepared today? We do have a meal prepared today for our visitors over to your right, my left. And come join and just fellowship and just talk about God's grace. And it's still the Sabbath day. I always tell people, you know, when I get a chance to speak, the Sabbath is 24 hours. It's from evening till, till the evening. So let's try to keep our minds there because it's a blessing in that. I truly believe that, you know, if everything we have to practice on, that if you don't practice, you can't get better. I have a term to, well, when the Sabbath come in, it's either I'm at Pastor Haynes' study class or, or I'm doing something, and then when I'm in church all day, I'm out witnessing the people until the Sabbath is over with. I don't, sometimes I don't trust myself to go home. In this way, I can keep my frame of mind on on, on God's grace and love that he don't gave us. You know, so it's 24 hours, my sisters and brothers. Let's, let's keep it holy. This is the day that God put aside for his peoples. And let's keep it holy. Because he said, that's a blessing come with the Sabbath day. He said, I will put you in the high places. And I believe that. Amen. But I'd like to close with prayer now. Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning, Lord, because some of us was bold enough to come down to the foot of the cross. Well, we have asked for forgiveness, Lord, of all of our sins, and Lord, that you can make us sober. Give us a fresh start. And Lord, if somebody still was sitting in their seat, know that they should have came down forward. I pray also for them. And as we continue in your day, Lord, that you put aside, that you said, I bless and I made holy, and I gave it a name, the Sabbath day. Help us to keep it holy. But, Lord, before we leave this here place, I pray, Lord, that you will increase our love for one another. Let us show so much love, Lord, that when we leave this place, people can say there's something wrong with this here person. And that would be the love that they see in us, that you have put in us. Now, Lord, I want to thank you for hearing and answering this prayer. And in the only name that we can be saved by, and that name is Jesus Christ. Let all of God's people say, Amen. All hearts happy today? Amen. As the ushers dismiss us reverently, let's remember not to talk in the sanctuary. 
Let's greet each other, each other outside and hold this blessing. Hold this blessing. And all members of the anniversary committee, I need to see you just a minute. If you'll come to the front, I'd appreciate it. Along with our head deaconess and members of the anniversary committee, I ask you to meet me in the front.